0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Hey, learn more about the program, podcast, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, and how to donate when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael and his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, called The Cup of Blessing.
1: Open to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We continue to move through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're, we're returning after a bit of a break through the Holy Week uh, activities and messages that came forth. It was a beautiful, incredible uh, time during Holy Week. We, uh, the uh, services that we did, the Passover Seder with the two rabbis, Rabbi Rene and Robert, if you were here for that. The Tenebrae services on Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday morning, uh, just amazing to see how the Lord moved in people's hearts and lives, how people were touched. And uh, we're just encouraged about what God is doing. Hopefully you had a chance to pray with some people during the National Day of Prayer. There were events happening all over the country, and that's very powerful to see uh, people all over the country praying. There were a couple of major events that I was part of, and i just encouraged to see God's people Crying out to him. That's really what we need. We need him to move in our lives, in our country. So we're glad you're here. We're going to return to 1 Corinthians, and we are doing a message called The Cup of Blessing. The Cup of Blessing. Let's read the text together. 1 Corinthians 10. We're going to pick it up in verse 14. We're going to read through verse 22. 1 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 14. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, you judge what I say. Is not the cup of blessing, 10:16, which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Look at the nation of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices sharers in the altar? What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? We're not stronger than he. Are we? Would you pray with me? Father, as we get back into the book of 1 Corinthians, we're grateful for the content. We're grateful for the challenges that the book brings. Chapters 8 through 10 are really about idolatry, which is the biggest problem we face, whether we know it or not. It's other false gods infringing, distracting, taking residence in our hearts, causing us often to lead a double life, to show fidelity to you one moment and then to something potentially demonic the next. And Lord, that is how the enemy works. And we know that there are some things that in our world are just simply neutral. They're not a big deal. But there are other things that really you've told us not to mess with. You've told us don't go there. Because idols are nothing, but demonic activity does happen around these things. And there's potential to fall and fall hard. Thank you that in every situation that we face, every temptation to go the way of the idol, you provide a way of escape that we may be able to endure it. Our heart is to take the way of escape every time. But the reality, Lord, is that often we don't. We need all the help we can get. And so we come before you with hungry hearts to hear what you have to say to us this morning, to be good soil for the seed of the word of God. So we just pray that you would move, that you would touch our hearts. You don't want us to be given over to the idol because it really matters how we worship, what we do. And you love us. That's really why you don't want us to go that way. So I pray that you would bless your people. And I pray that you would open our eyes to see what you have for us today. May we respond in a way that pleases you. In Jesus' name, I pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. Now, when we ended the last section, we looked at a verse that some of you have memorized over your Christian journey. That's verse 13 of chapter 10. It says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, even when we are not he or who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, or you could say with each and every temptation, God will provide the way of escape also so that you may be able to endure it. Now, if you have never memorized that verse before, can I encourage you to work on memorizing that verse and to use the verse when you are feeling tempted? And here's some things that you need to know. First of all, every time you're tempted, it's common to everybody. We all go through similar temptations in similar areas. Now, it could be nuanced differently for each one of us, but the point is, is that it's common. We're all facing the same battles. We're all struggling with our flesh, the world, the devil. The same intoxicating things that were dangling carrots in the Garden of Eden are the same things repackaged in modern life. And now they're a bit easier to access with modern technology. And there are many people who are uh, inside and outside the church who are falling really on a daily basis to temptation. And it's a hard thing when you get into a habitual sin pattern as a Christian and you know it's wrong. And each time you fall to that thing, you can feel a whole flood of different emotions, including you can feel condemned. You can feel beat up and all of that. Now, there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. But if you are in that sin pattern, that habitual sin pattern, you find that your life is really tied up in falling to that thing and then trying to clean up the mess and then start over again. And you're really not free to be all that God wants you to be. He loves you. He wants you to be free not to sin. If the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. But let's face it, that freedom kind of moves as we mature, right? We become more free, hopefully, as we are maturing in Christ. So everything that you face is common to every one of us. God is faithful. That's what you need to know. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So each and every temptation that comes your way, he will not allow you to, to be overwhelmed by it And you say, well, Pastor Michael, then what does he do in those moments? Because I do feel overwhelmed. In each and every temptation, he provides the way of escape. And the way, there is not a way, it's the way. And it makes us think of Jesus when he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And here, the way is always running to God. So please hear what I'm about to say, because I think this is really important. Every time you flee a temptation, you flee from it to God. That's the key. It's not just about running away. That's part A. But part B is that God is waiting for you on the other side. He's providing the way of escape, and he is the way. Amen? He says you come to me when you're tempted. I am able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Hebrews 2:18. I can sympathize with your weaknesses. I will give you stabilizing grace. Hebrews 4:14 4, through 16. I'm your great high priest. I ever lived to intercede for you. Call upon me and I will rescue you. I will give you strength to endure. Flee from idolatry. That's verse 14. So you can see how the connection is made. We take the way of escape that we may be able to endure it. That's verse 13. We looked at that in some depth last time. And then in light of verse 13, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Connect the two verses. You flee from something, a false god, and you flee to God. Now, there's an Old Testament and New Testament illustration I'd like to just put before you. We won't turn there because I think it's familiar. I want to give you Joseph and Jesus. Now, in the Old Testament, we know what happened to Joseph. His brothers sold him into slavery. They were jealous of him. All of that unfolded. And Joseph ends up in Egypt. And he's in the house of Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife begins to have Google eyes for Joseph. The Bible actually describes Joseph as a young, good-looking guy. And we would imagine that Potiphar's wife was beautiful. If you were in Joseph's sandals at this time, you've been sold into slavery. You've ended up as a slave in Egypt. You had this favored status with your family and your father, and now you're in Egypt serving this Egyptian uh, master. And his wife begins to say to you, and this is how she put it sleep with me, come to bed with me. Hubby's away, come to bed, sleep with me. Now think of Joseph. He would have every reason with all that life had thrown his way to just say, okay, I'm lonely i don't understand what god is doing he could make every excuse in the book to give in to potiphar's wife and say why not why not have a fling with this woman it doesn't really matter in egypt when in egypt do what the egyptians do walk like an egyptian yeah whatever right whatever happens in egypt stays in egypt So you could buy into all the worldly nonsense. Joseph could have justified it. And every day, she was dangling the carrot. Sleep with me. Sleep with me. And something else was at stake. He was actually a servant in that household. So really, he was supposed to obey her. She probably always got her way. You could imagine. And he kept saying, no, no, no. Finally, he has to flee, literally flee idolatry, flee this woman who represents the world and when he flees, she blames him of rape, right? Falsely accuses him, and Joseph ends up where? In a prison. Now, if you're Joseph, you got to be thinking, come on, come on, Lord, I did the right thing, and I'm in jail. What's going on here? But the jail, remember, he, there's a series of dreams with the, uh, a couple of servants of the Pharaoh, and he interprets them, and the prison becomes the vehicle by which Joseph is raised up in Egypt.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Hey, Shane
1: Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called a Step Closer and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. The Ministry of Walking Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to give you a copy of his book Suit Up, putting on the full armor of God. You know, I wrote Suit Up because I sense the need in the body of Christ and really in my own life to be suited up with the armor of God. Armor's for one thing, protection. From what? Well, from temptation, from the enemy, from falling, from being wounded, from hurting others. So we suit up, that's the image. We put on the armor of God so that we can be protected and effective in our Christian walk and help others in the battle and the journey. We will send you a copy of Suit Up as a thank you when you send a financial gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry and we appreciate your help to broadcast and grow the ministry to more radio stations. Please give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com.
0: Click the donate button or call 844-48-TRUTH. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app now. Back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. If
1: you were in Joseph's sandals at this time, you've been sold into slavery. You've ended up as a slave in Egypt. You had this favored status with your family and your father. And now you're in Egypt serving this Egyptian uh, master. And his wife begins to say to you, and this is how she put it, sleep with me come to bed with me. Hubbies away, come to bed, sleep with me. Now think of Joseph. He would have every reason with all that life had thrown his way to just say, okay, I'm lonely. I I don't understand what God is doing. He could make every excuse in the book to give in to Potiphar's wife and say, why not? Why not have a fling with this woman? It doesn't really matter in Egypt. When in Egypt, do what the Egyptians do. Walk. Like in Egypt, yeah, whatever, right? Whatever happens in Egypt stays in Egypt. So you could buy into all the worldly nonsense. Joseph could have justified it. And every day she was dangling the carrot. Sleep with me, sleep with me. And something else was at stake. He was actually a servant in that household. So really he was supposed to obey her. She probably always got her way could imagine and he kept saying no 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 finally he has to flee literally flee idolatry flee this woman who represents the world and when he flees she blames him of rape right falsely accuses him and joseph ends up where in a prison now if you're joseph you got to be thinking come on come on lord i did the right thing and i'm in jail what's going on here but the jail, remember, he, there's a series of dreams with the, uh, a couple of servants of the pharaoh, and he interprets them, and the prison becomes the vehicle by which Joseph is raised up in Egypt. See, sometimes we have to be honest. Sometimes we might think this. Maybe we don't say it. Does it really matter if I give in to temptation? Does it really matter if I look at pornography? Does it really matter if I do this or that, whatever that thing may be. Some of you may actually be there this morning. Does it matter? Okay, so I give into something. I'm, I'm forgiven, right? I'm a Christian. But it does matter. Think of, I want you to think of the, the three Hebrew youths in the book of Daniel. When they refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's 90-foot colossal statue, they said, we're not going to bow down. Now they were thrown into the fiery furnace, Azariah, Mishael, and Hananiah, that's their Hebrew names, right? But what happened? A fourth one entered into the fire with them. And Veggie Tale fans, are you ready? And he was real shiny. Come on now. All right. So now if they would have bowed along with the flood of humanity, would God have forgiven them? Probably. But what would they have lost in Babylon? They would have lost their witness. They would have lost, this to me is the most important thing, the grace of God showing up in the midst of the fire. See, sometimes what we sacrifice is the miraculous strengthening grace of God when we don't give in to temptation, when we say, I'm going to go through the fire of testing rather than giving in. And what we miss often is miracles, What we miss is the miraculous, intervening grace and power of God. Because we just wave the white flag and we give in. And yes, God is gracious to us. But then we miss his power in the midst of the fire. And then we also miss the fact that when we don't give in, we get strengthened for the next time that we are tempted. And we know we can make it. We know we can take the way of escape. And then I want to take you to the New Testament and Jesus. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus's greatest temptation, in my view, was recoiling away from the reality of the cross and saying, no, I'm not gonna do it. He was 100% human and 100% God. And he goes into the garden, and remember, he falls on his face. The disciples are sleeping. He's like really all alone. He always has his father, but everybody around him has basically fallen away, and then they will fall away. Father, if it's possible, let this cup Pass from me. Luke's account says that at that moment when he was praying, God dispatched an angel from heaven who strengthened him. And Jesus prayed it three times Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Imagine if Joseph would have given in in Egypt. Imagine if Jesus would have given in at the garden. What would be the ramifications of that? You wouldn't be here. If Jesus said, no, I'm not going the way of the cross. I'm not going to do it. You're not a Christian. You're not saved. You're dead. And Joseph because he took a stand, he ended up in the prison, it's true, but then God used interpretation and he ends up from the prison to the palace. And sometimes we don't want to take the, the, we want the shortcut instead of going the long way. Sometimes the long way is harder, amen? It's harder to fight my flesh. It's harder to resist the devil and he will, what? Flee from you. That's, that's a struggle, but the reality is that God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to flee from idolatry. And I want you to think about the examples that came before this. If you were with us, we looked at Israel, specifically Israel in the wilderness. And Israel fell to a number of different sins. In fact, they're cataloged here just quickly back to verse six of chapter 10. Now these things happen as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also crave, Ten seven. Do not be what? idolaters as some of them were as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play play is a sexual euphemism don't act immorally let us not act immorally as some of them did Twenty-three thousand fell in one day nor let us try the lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents 10 nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer now these things happen at to them as an example And they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands, this is written to the church, brothers and sisters, take heed that he does not fall. Israel fell with the incredible Shekinah presence of God, the glory cloud there with them, the angel of the Lord there with them, watching miracle after miracle, having the manna provided for them and still... Even though every day they had a miracle of the manna, they still fell. And that means that we can fall too. So we have to walk wisely. We have to, would you see in verse 14, Paul addresses the church as the dearly loved of God. You're my beloved. J. Vernon McGee, I think, made that famous in modern times. May God richly bless you, my beloved. But he stole that from Paul. And Paul took it from Jesus because Jesus loves his people. And so when Paul says, he gives a warning, it's in love. Would you notice? He says, my beloved, this is a loving thing to say. Flee, shun, run away from idolatry.
0: You're listening to Walk in Truth. This was part one of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called The Cup of Blessing. And here's just a reminder that this is a listener-supported ministry. Please give what you can when you visit walkintruth.com. If you can give at least $30 monthly, you'll partner with us to get this program on more radio stations, some secular, this year. You'll also make it so we can do more free apologetic events to equip the community. Learn how to donate on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael. One
1: way we need to think about fleeing from temptation is fleeing to God. You know, we flee from something, but we flee to someone, to the one who is our refuge and strength. You know, I cannot help but think of Hebrews 4, which paints the picture of Jesus's high priestly ministry. He sympathizes, empathizes with us, and he is ready to pour out stabilizing grace into our lives. And how many times could we all admit that we didn't call upon him when he was available to us, but we went the wrong way. But when we call upon him, when we bring him into our challenges, difficulties, and temptations, he's an ever-present help in time of need. So we flee from something, but we run towards God. That's the idea. And that's something we can all get better at in 2020 as we try to walk closer with him. He's speaking of being closer to him and being more effective. We have a special free event coming up on January the 26th. It's with our guest speaker, apologist Greg Kokel. Greg's been around for a long time. He's extremely effective in articulating the Christian worldview, the Christian faith, the gospel. And he's written a book called Tactics. That book has been updated. And it's a game plan. Having a game plan is so important to be effective for discussing your Christian convictions. You know, if you don't have a game plan, you don't know what to do when you get in that awkward conversation with your uncle or your coworker. But when you have a game plan, you know what to do, how to steer a conversation towards what's most important. You want to be better at that? I do. Come on out to 633, a special Sunday night service, January 26th with Greg Kokel. We will have childcare for 10 and below. It's a great time to come out and fellowship with us. The address is 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. We'll see you here. Download the Living Truth app in your app store
0: for info and directions today. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 called The Cup of Blessing. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.